Welcome to another episode of the BU Podcast, where light banter meets deep topics of the heart and soul. I'm your host, Chris Sirock. Welcome, friends. Today's incredible guest is Victoria Shaw, who has more letters behind her name than I can make sense of, an intuitive counselor who combines her background and training in psychology and counseling with intuitive guidance to help clients heal, grow, and realize their full spiritual and personal potential. Victoria earned her PhD in cognitive psychology from Princeton University and completed her postdoctoral training in educational and development psychology at Columbia University Teachers College. She received her master's in counseling from Fairfield University and is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Connecticut. Wow, talk about combining intuition with intelligence. Welcome to the show, Victoria. And Hi. a couple <laughs> life has brought you to a station where you have a message and you have a purpose and you're feeling like you want to be of service and that doesn't happen overnight. So if you would love to share with the listeners where you started out from and how did your journey unfold? I love that question. And, you know, I will say for me, my process has been, I often say, well, now I think we're up to like 35, but I've lived many, many lifetimes already in this body. So there's been a lot of change and a lot of those big paradigm shift moments, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I sometimes feel like I'm on an accelerated course in this one human skin, not to mention all the other ones that I've probably experienced as well. But the sort of first pivotal shift, I think, came for me when I was in my 30s. And I was an overwhelmed mom of two kids. I had left a career in academia. So I was trained as a research psychologist. I was Ivy League trained, like Ivy League postdoc. I was like, you know, seriously, seriously all in. And I got to the end of that journey and I realized that my passion was gone. And I had always wanted to study the mind, the brain, understand these big questions like what is consciousness? How do we understand the world? How do we interface with the world? How do we understand ourselves? And I understood those really as scientific questions. I realized now they were spiritual questions and spiritual longings and things that before I took my more academic journey, I was getting the answers to actually quite readily and being rewarded for that. But the further along I went on the academic journey, the more you know my compass kept getting pointed like forcefully in a direction that didn't serve. It didn't serve. And I have nothing against science. I love science. I was a scientist for many years and I have many letters after my name to prove it. Um, but for me, I realized that, you know, now retrospectively that the real gold for me was always my intuition and my connection with spirit and my connection with source. And that even when, you know, I was being rewarded in high school and college um, and to some extent grad school for my insights, it was always, you know, I was channeling. I was channeling. I just didn't know it. And I didn't know what it was called. I used to say, hey, I'm going to the place beyond words. And then I'm bringing some stuff back. And I realized now, <laughs> it, it seems like That's really great. obvious now, but I didn't know what that stuff was called. I didn't even know I had spiritual longings. I just knew that there was an overarching plan to my life. I knew what it was supposed to look like. I knew I was supposed to follow it. I kept trying to follow it. And then I got a little bit off the path, mm -hmm. um, but not at all, because we never really leave the path, do we? <laughs> and, you know, and so I got to the end of my journey as a research psychologist. I realized that my passion was gone and I was at such a high level that to pursue that kind of career when you don't have passion is for me, it felt like a waste of time because you have to really be all in. 
And I was also recently married and had the sense that I really wanted to start a family. And my husband was a workaholic. So the idea of us both doing that was not super appealing to me. So I think those things kind of lined up. And so I made the the choice, which seems foolhardy now, but again, it, it all makes perfect sense in the end. I made the choice to sort of take a break from my work career and, and start my family. And becoming a mom was an amazing thing, but it also, you know, when we become parents, it can bring up all of the stuff, right? All of our inner child wounding is just right there for us to explore both in being a parent and then also having this child that brings up all of your stuff. And I realized too, that I was not the kind of mom that I wanted to be. You know, I was overwhelmed. I was grouchy. I was like, I just wasn't the kind of mom that I wanted to be. And also my kids were struggling. Both of them were having issues. So it was in part because of my kids and in part because of really out of the box pediatrician for whom I will forever be grateful, who kept sending me to all these weird people, these like energy healers and these acupuncturists and these, you know, cranial sacral therapists and osteopaths and medical intuitives. And it just kept getting weirder and weirder and weirder and I started to be like, this This stuff, it kind of makes sense. It kind of works. And then the other thing that was happening at the same time is like lives were getting better and I was seeing how helpful all of this crazy stuff was that I'd never heard of before. It also kind of awakened that, reawakened that deep longing in me because I always had this deep sense of purpose and I knew there was something I was supposed to be doing. And the the two kind of lined up and, and all these people I kept going to kept saying to me, you're super intuitive, you're super intuitive, like, what are you going to do with it? And, you know, after a few years of hearing that message, the light bulb went out and I was like, oh, these two things, my purpose and my intuition, those two things go together. And Chris, once I made the decision to awaken my intuition, it's like I hit the ground running. Like as soon as I just said, okay, that's what I want to do. It's just the, you know, when you hit your path, sometimes the path just unfolds. And there it was right before me. And I followed it ever since. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Woo. When <laughs> <laughs> to soak that up for a moment there, just like the sun we were talking about earlier, fills one with life essence. There's so much spirit in that. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot as well is the contrast of those experiences, because obviously we all come from source and are connected when we first enter. And then we just get infatuated with this three-dimensional realm and, right. and kind of get lost a little bit. But would you say that feeling lost and going down the science or mental path is what really had to happen to then strengthen the resolve or really put a spotlight on the intuition, like building the contrast for you to then really embrace it as opposed to if you just kind of stayed in touch with it, it, it wouldn't be so significant for you. You know, I don't think I ever lost it. I just think that as I move further and further along, there was less of a place for it in the life that I was, you know, crafting for myself in the path that I was following. And when there was just so little place for it left, I realized that that wasn't the path for me. So I think, yeah, I mean, that might be what you just said. I think, yeah, to some extent, I sort of discovered, you know, what I was looking for by realizing it's not there. It's not there. And um, I mean, there were a lot of factors that, you know, had me leave academia. And I have a dear friend who's been a guest on my podcast a couple times that it's so cool when life gives you this because he's a neuropsychologist and he's taken it the whole way. And neuropsychology was really my first love. 
and he's written a beautiful book and he's two beautiful books now um, on hemispheric specialization, which is like how the brain works and how, you know, you can't find your sense of self in the brain because it doesn't exist, but your left brain, you know, creates this false sense of self. I mean, he might be a great person to have on your podcast, by the way. So afterwards I'll put you guys in touch, but, but the deal is it's so cool to see, I could have taken that path. I could have taken that path. Chris took that path. And so I watched him take that path and take it beautifully. And that was everything I dreamed of doing, even though at the time I didn't know that it was the spiritual questions I was asked. I didn't know they were called spiritual questions, but that's what they were. And that's what was driving me. But I just took a different path. So I think either one would have worked. I'm not ha- unhappy with the one that I took. I learned so much from being a parent. I grew so much from being a parent. I don't think I could have done two things successfully given the emotional bandwidth I had when I started that particular journey. I had a lot of healing to do. But I also think that there's many roads that get us all to the same place. And so I'm grateful to have these people popping up in my life now that literally have done the things that I passed by and they've done them well. And I'm like, okay, cool. So Chris did that, you know, (laughs) now I can just do what I want to do. I don't oh, know if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, everything makes sense. <laughs> well, there you go. Then I can't and, say anything wrong. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And nothing is really wrong. It, it, it shapes us exactly yeah. the way it needs to because of how we're responding to life, right? Bingo. So it Bingo. all happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I definitely learned. I mean, I don't actually think I learned why I left academia fully and completely until, you know, the full circle moments now when I can look back with the wisdom that I have and say, oh, that's what you were trying to do. You just, you just didn't know how to do it yet. Yeah. Right. Or you didn't know what it was called. Exactly. Which is funny. And I wonder about this often as well. And I went like yourself for decades and I just didn't encounter the, the quote unquote spiritual stuff. And it's out there. It's been out there for thousands of years. And it's certainly yeah. available and accessible with uh, the internet and, and so forth. And I was always still surprised if like, I just didn't encounter this stuff. So is right. it a reflection of I wasn't tuned to it, so it didn't appear? <laughs> or what was preventing me? And so you mentioned the word roads. You know, all roads lead to self, all roads lead to ultimately to uh, self-discovery and self-realization. And there is no taking the wrong road because it's like we just said, it's a reflection of you. And so you're always just traveling on your road. There must have been an attraction to wanting to pursue the science, the wanting to pursue that path, wanting to pursue even the kids and the expectation around that. So there was something there that you had to do this. Oh, yeah. I knew my whole life I was going to have kids. I mean, everyone thinks they're going to have kids, but I always had a deep knowing that like having kids was part of my life path. I don't know how to say it. I just have always had that. So I knew I was going to be a mom and I made choices always that were resonant with that. I knew I loved working with kids. And I remember thinking, I don't want to work with kids and be a mom. It'll be too much. I think that was probably the right choice. I didn't go into working with children until my kids were more grown and I was more healed. It would have been too much. Um, Oh, my guys actually say that was a belief. So never mind. It wouldn't have been too much. (laughs) I'm I'm always listening, man. Um, Anyway, so I thought it would be too much. So it would have been too much because that's how life works. But yeah, I mean, there were expectations for sure. Like we we grow up with these expectations. I think my mom in particular, you know, really was a big fan of intellectual achievement and wanted to see me do that, which I did. I also think I did have a, a strong passion and desire towards the psychology, towards those areas. And I, I toyed with for a long time, 
going into like more helping field. And that would not have been something that either of my parents would have thought was a good idea. And so I think, you know, being under their influence a lot for for a good chunk of my life, I think I kept talking myself out of it, even though I was hearing the nudges. Um, But you know what you said before, too, I mean, I've had guests on my show, you know, I was talking to an astrologer this morning who, you know, was doing seances with her stuffed animals when she was five, right? So some of us get that right away. For me, it was always covert. It was always covert, you know, deeply spiritual. My whole life, I can look back now, huge imaginary play. I was an only child and I was, you know, neglected is a strong word, but (laughs) I was alone a lot, free range child. And um, spent a lot of time in my imagination, a lot of time in that fantasy world, which I'm grateful for now because, you know, that's where I dwell. But again, I can look back and say, oh, when you would be at the bus stop talking to that rock, you know, that spirit that lived in the rock or the spirit that lived in that tree, like that was your spirit guides. Like that was imaginary play, but it was more than that, right? So, you know, I just don't think I had the frame of reference for understanding it. And I didn't grow up with spiritually minded parents and I didn't grow up with any religion, which I'm actually grateful for. So that left me free to create my own palette. But I just, I don't think I had the words. And I think, you know, if we don't have something to hang on to when we're little, and I think that's changing for a lot of kids now, it's hard to completely create your own playbook when, you know, you don't know what the game is, right? You don't know anything about the game. So I was living my life. I was doing my thing. But once I found my peeps, once I found that framework, I could look back and go, oh, spirituality, that's what that was. And, um, you know, but maybe if I had had those preconceived ideas early on, you know, I wouldn't have framed my journey the way that I did. So I have no regrets. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's beautiful. And I see that more and more as well. And, and people that attend my meditations or my retreats, it's like parent-child combos. And I think to myself, wow, that, that must be amazing to grow up with that. And uh, yeah. so it, it's happening more and it more. It can be. I love that it can be. Nothing is absolute. <laughs> I just, well, I just, I just had a guest on my show, you know, who grew up with really spiritual parents and I'd met her dad. I mean, he's like a big Abraham Hicks guy. And, you know, she wrote her college essay on the vortex and you know, all of these things. And I'm like, what was that like for you? And what she shared is like, initially it was, it was not that great because it was someone else's idea of spirituality and I didn't relate to it at first. So again, um, I mean, it's working for her just fine now, but again, I think we all have to come to this our own way. And I do think on some level, she's probably going to be super grateful that she was exposed to this stuff early on and that she's learned to make it her own. But I was shocked. It's not all unicorns and rainbows. You know, we all have to, we all have to find our way through whatever we're presented with and in our own time, in our own space. Yeah, that's really so true. And I can even say for myself that, you know, I had the fortune of incredibly loving parents. I still found a way to make myself miserable. (laughs) Yes, that's another way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it goes down to the core of our existence, our thoughts, how much we believe our thoughts, how much we're conditioned by the outside world. And then how we deal with that. So one of the things you mentioned of parents' expectations and the society's expectations and so forth, and it shows how much we really inherit these patterns, these family patterns, these social patterns, generational patterns. So a lot of the healing isn't necessarily just our own stuff. We're we're healing the world (laughs) and beyond ourselves and and so it's going to come to us. We're healing machines. We're we're meant to vibrate at the highest level possible. And it doesn't matter what our life is. It seems like 
that is what life is, is to be engaged in some kind of circumstance or situation that we're being called to bring our light into. Yeah. And whether we're aware of that light just yet or not, it's just, yeah. that's life. That's living. Yeah. And I think the biggest, you know, misconception that most of us are born with, you know, or maybe like beaten out of us by life because the world doesn't show us this, but the biggest truth is whenever you're joyful, whenever you're following something that really excites you, whenever you're deeply curious, whenever you feel good, you're on your path. You know, if you are taking huge amounts of drugs and you feel good, that's a different kind of good. That's not what I mean. And I'm not saying, you know, everything has its purpose in place, but I'm talking about when you feel that deep inspiration and that deep, you know, resonance with all that is when you're feeling, you know, we all know what it feels like to be called, to be aligned. And so much, so many of us are talked out of that, but when you're really feeling it, when you're really following those deep passions and not what your brain thinks you should be passionate about, but what really excites you, you know, that's when you're on your path. That's when you're aligned. And, you know, that's when you're joyous and free and happy and loving and lovable. And, you know, and, and so that's, you know, that's when you're closest to your soul's natural state. But most of us, the biggest misconception is most of us have been taught, we have to figure that out, that we have to defer feeling that way until we do all these things that we need to do to make us worthy enough to receive that, which is our birthright, you know? And so when you talk about contrast, that's where the contrast is. That's where you feel what you're not so that you can remember what you are. Mm -hmm. And I would tell people listening and I tell people listening <laughs> to me whenever I talk, right? <laughs> like where you feel really, really good, really, really jazzed, really, really happy, really, really curious, really, really passionate, really, really joyful, really, really aligned. That's where you should be most of the time, right? Yeah. That's where that's where you belong. And when we learn to live from there, which is even though I've been doing this for quite a while, that last little bit fully and completely has been, you know, a, like the newest part of my journey. But when we learn to live from there more and more and more and more and more and more and more, it's, you know, the sky's the limit. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. It is. And and speaking of more and more and more, what are some of the, if you have any to share, tips and tricks on how you're able to live in that uh, or from that place more and more and more and more and more? I love those questions. Um, intuition is a big one for me. Intuition is the center of everything that I do and every everything that I've done since the moment I learned that there was a word for it and that it was a good word. <laughs> Even as a child, I always had this understanding that whenever really good things happened in my life, they they just appeared out of the sky. Like it was always, I always had a deep sense of being guided, even though I didn't know what it was called. But, you know, honing your intuition can be really important. And intuition is that voice of your soul. So it's that kind of knowing that we all have that has nothing to do with what we've been taught with our left brains, right? So it's not about your conditioning. It's not about the mind. I learned so many important things when I did all of my uh, advanced degrees and I have about four, uh, 12 years of advanced degrees, like two masters and a doctorate. So <laughs> a lot of schooling. Um, but my intuition, the way that I use that information now, right, is I allow my intuition to remind me of what I already know. It's a very different experience. And so intuition isn't about what we learned from the world, it's that deep knowing that we all have. It's the connection to the part of ourselves that when, you know, your spirit having a human experience and your intuition is that part of you that remembers everything that your humanness has forgotten. And so the the biggest piece for me has been for, you know, the past 15 years of my life, 
learning to listen to that increasingly more deeply and to help other people do that too. Because when we follow that, that's where everything aligns. And it's not a magic trick though. It can be, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, there are, there are amazing like intuitive hits that I've had, but a lot of times the voice of our soul is really, really quiet, really, really subtle. Sometimes it's the, the feeling of joy or the little pull in a certain direction or a little contraction, you know, when you're heading in the wrong path. You know, and so we learn to listen to those nudges, however they come to for us. And we learn to discern between the voice of our mind, which is typically heavier and louder, and the voice of our soul, which is usually light, joyous, and sometimes very subtle, though occasionally also very loud in its own special way. So that's the first thing. When we learn to listen to that, we're naturally going to be guided towards that, which brings us joy, passion, and purpose. That's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. So that leads me to the next question then. A lot of people, when they they might, <laughs> I'm, uh -huh. adop I'm adopting this language now, they might, they could perceive that as floating or not having a goal or aimless kind of like existence. And how would you respond to something like that? Oh, I love that. Okay. First of all, your soul has the goal. And, you know, more and more when you align with that, it's going to take you beautifully, quickly, expeditiously to where you don't even know you want to go. So, you know, I feel the more we can align with the soul's goal versus all the human goals that we create for ourselves based on what we think we should want, we're going to, we're going to get to a place of joy faster. And that's what you asked me about. Um, but it's not aimless at all. And, you know, my intuition tells me to do stuff all the time. My intuition told me to start a podcast right? I'm talking to you right now because I have a podcast and you were a guest on my podcast. And now look, you invited me to be on your podcast and we're having this awesome conversation. My life is so wonderful, right? It, it's something that I did. It's not something that I stayed up hours thinking I need to have a podcast because everyone has a podcast. It was really a, a thousand percent intuitively guided. I sat down one day to write a book. I took a weekend off to start my book. And all of a sudden I wasn't writing a book. I was talking into a microphone. And then a few months later, when I still couldn't write the book, I understood what I was being guided to do. So that's an example of how we learn to listen a little bit more deeply to the nudges of our soul. So it's not purposeless or goalless at all. You just start to follow a different leader, you know? rather than that part of your mind that tells you how things should be, how everyone else does them, what's going to work, what's not going to work, usually based on fear, conditioning, shoulds, the idea that you're not enough and you have to prove yourself, all that stuff that even as I talk about it, my energy sinks a little bit. Ah, we start to have our doing and our creating aligned with that higher force. And we start to listen more deeply and you will have goals and you will have action steps. And sometimes you'll even come up with an ego driven goal and your intuition will show you how to get that too. Cause why not? You know, we, we, we get to be human as well. I have lots of like little ego eagles that come up now. And again, I just, I try not to get, you know, overly diverted by them because I realize that the really good stuff comes mostly just from my soul. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And and you're so right. Even just speaking the words you know, fear and anxiety, they carry a charge and, and to develop an awareness around that charge and the quality and the weight of our thoughts and everything that we generate within ourselves, right? Long before we call somebody in traffic an idiot for cutting us off, we've generated that energy, that reactive and divisive and, and just antagonistic energy within ourselves. So by the time the word comes out, we've become the word. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we do it to ourselves. Yeah, everything. So that's really beautiful. 
Now, what would you say, you know, very often it does happen where we do need decades of contrast and being off the path to then kind of highlight where we should be going. And by that time, we might have built up a life around all these other things already. And it gets harder to unravel all of that and to let go of that. And the temptation to just numb out and disregard it is very strong because it does mean inviting, allowing a lot of that change. And that could pertain to you know jobs and personal relationships and families and f- circle of friends and where you're living. I mean, it can affect a lot of things. And so it's understandable that fear comes up. It did for me and having to let go of that or to question it even is stressful enough. So how would you, uh, any words of advice on how to deal with, with these feelings that come up in those moments? Oh my goodness. You said so much in there. I don't even know where to start. So let me feel into it for a minute. I would say to wherever you are in your journey, be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself. Your human parts do not need you to should them to death. That's just actually more, more human noise, you know, more, more ego monkey mind you know, they just need your love. So whatever you're feeling, you know, whatever you're feeling into, it's important to be really kind and gentle with yourself and be gentle with the human part that feels uncomfortable and be soothing towards it, be loving towards it, be loving towards the parts of yourself that don't want to be loving towards it. You know, wherever you can bring in just a little bit of that kindness, loving nature towards those parts of yourself, the better. There's no good or bad here. You know, that's how the human mind works, but there's no good or bad. Like you said, there's just contrast and contrast is actually what we're here to experience. It's actually a really magical and beautiful thing. And so loving the contrast is really helpful as much as you can. And loving the parts of yourself that don't love the contrast is also really helpful as much as you can. So that's the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing I would say is, you know, if you find yourself, first of all, I I call BS a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily harder when you've accomplished more to let go. I think, you know, the ego just gets entrenched in different ways. And there are people that also say, I've accomplished every egoic thing that I needed to accomplish. And now I can let go and just have fun, right? So it it can work, it can work many different ways. But you know, wherever we have a belief about ourselves that feels like we're grabbing down to it for dear life, for our value, for our worth, or or sometimes even we go the other way and we have an idea that we're worthless and we don't want to let go of that, you know, <laughs> that one doesn't feel so great. But wherever you are, change is always a little bit you know, destabilizing because we're going to let go of these habitual patterns. We're going to have to change our understanding of who we are and how we live our lives. And sometimes when we're ready for really huge change, our intuition, we know a big change is coming and we may be resistant of it. I just walked out of a beautiful, inspiring one that I'm very grateful for, but a 28-year marriage. And I walked out of this marriage not because I don't feel great love for the person I spent three decades of my life with, but because we just grew in different directions, right? But I remember probably about eight to 10 years ago, so pretty well in it, or maybe six, I don't know, but a while ago, before I had any conscious recollection, I remember this thought going through my brain, you know, I was about to take a big leap. Um, as I, like I said, many lifetimes in this body and I was about to take another one and I knew it. I remember having the thought go around in my mind, but I don't want to leave Luke, but I don't want to leave Luke. And I remember thinking, well, that's ridiculous. You know, you guys are fine. You know, you've up-leveled so many times, but I knew something about me knew that if I kept going at that pace, that wasn't the pace that he was going to be on. Not because anything's wrong with that. Like he's an amazing human being, but we just had different paths. 
And so sometimes we can have those nudges and sometimes they can hold us back because we're afraid. In my case, I kept leaping because, you know, I'm just really committed to this journey. But there's been times in the last few years for sure, because I'm just going through the uncoupling now, you know, our human parts, that's uncomfortable, you know? It took me a while to be able to like take the wedding band off and be like, okay, I'm single. I'm not a wife. Whoa, big identity shift, right? And so the ego does take comfort in these things. And you, you know, you may even see my energy shift a little bit now. I'm patient and gentle with myself. And I also, the guys want to say, um, you know, you don't ever have to do anything that you don't want to do, even on the egoic level. So if you end up taking that leap, it's because you really wanted to. <laughs> It's because you really wanted to, and you'll be okay. You'll be mm -hmm. okay. Because sometimes we're not ready, and we don't, and that is okay too, because there's just no one way to do this life thing. That's beautiful. So, and myself included, I think most can relate to the idea of hanging on to something, a relationship or some life situation beyond its natural expiration date. And that's just is part of the experience because uh, yeah. that extra injection of contrast at the end is often, yeah. You know, and and usually that's how it goes. For me, I was really fortunate in that I knew it was time and I think we skipped the seasons. You know, I always use the example of like a sitcom, like The Office, you know, The Office signed off at just the right time. If we had had another five years of The Office, nah, you know, it would have. So for me, I I knew and I listened and and I know, you know, in the long run that my soon to be uncoupled partner will see that too, because I do think it's the right choice for everyone. But a lot of times we're not ready to make that leap at that moment when we first realize, oh, now is time. And again, who knows what the right time is? I don't know. Maybe the right time is five years from now and I leap too soon. I don't know. But you know, a lot of times what will happen is you will build up a lot of contrast. You will build up a lot of discomfort until you get to the point that you're ready to jump out of the fry pan, you know? <laughs> and that's okay too. You don't have to change that way. And I think many of us are able to change before we have to go into the fire and transform in that manner, which is a little less comfortable, but equally valuable to your soul. So you choose. But a lot of times we just build up a certain amount of contrast or the guides say, and I'm just checking with my spirit guides when I say that, um, they also say sometimes too, you want certain structures in place. So you stay around a little bit to get really comfortable with the change. And so you might be experiencing some discomfort because you know you're going to move and you're not ready to move yet, but that's okay. Like imagine, you know, you're living in a too small house and your family's growing and you know, like 10 kids in a two bedroom house is uncomfortable, but you're still building that other place, right? Or you're still saving up the money to be able to move, right? Or you're still waiting for that bonus to come through or whatever your, your paradigm is. And sometimes we're waiting for that. And that's okay too. You know, there's divine timing. You'll know when the right time is to go. And usually whenever you go is the right time. Yes, exactly. It's always the right time. Love that. Yeah, it is. Because once you've done it, you know, the only moment is now and whatever's happening now is exactly right. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, so I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about living an accelerated life. What does that feel like and where do you think it comes from? And, you know, as we become more self-aware, I think there's a release of concept of time and beginnings and endings and all that. But I'm curious to dive deeper into to that accelerated sense of living, of expanding. Right. I feel that for me, I'm just 
I'm just really ambitious. <laughs> like I just like, I, you know, you you feel the momentum and you can't stop. And even the places that, you know, were challenging every next level I get to is so delicious and delightful. I can't imagine not expanding, you know, at, at whatever pace my soul wants to expand because it's just been, it's just been such a beautiful journey. Um, and it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be intense, though occasionally it is. But I really want to emphasize for people, like most expansion can be really quite joyous from joy to more joy to more joy after that. And, you know, sometimes the human self is like, wait, hold on. But, you know, for the most part, it really can be delicious and delightful. But I also think we're in a period of time now, too where there's an acceleration. There's an accelerated energy. There's an opportunity for accelerated growth to anyone who kind of jumps into that stream. So many people are awakening now that weren't awakening even when I started doing this work a decade and some change ago. Um, I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, for some people, it's going to be overwhelming and they're going to take what appears to be some steps back, but they're probably not listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for many of us, right, it's just, this just feels like the natural and normal pace and we're on it and we're heading there. And I think it's a beautiful thing and you don't want to force or push yourself, go at, you know, your right pace. And sometimes the pace is really fast for me. And then sometimes, you know, you have some breaks. So you want to follow that for sure. But I do think in general, earth right now is on a little bit of an accelerate a little bit, a lot of bit of an accelerated course. And many of us who feel aligned with that, I've used this word twice today, and I usually hate using this word, <laughs> but that ascension energy. Um, and I don't usually use new agey terms, but I get what I get. So that ascension energy, right? The the new earth, whatever you want to call it. A lot of us that feel aligned with that mission and purpose are going to probably be feeling that pull a little bit more to move in that direction. And that pace is strong. Mm, yeah. And it does take, in my experience, just sometimes to really let go of beliefs, because ultimately every belief is a self-limiting belief. It's a it's a reduction yep. of everything that is and can be and exists and the vastness of it all, and the miracle of it all. And, and it just reduces that down to a handful of thoughts yeah. that we believe. Um, but they're sneaky. There are beliefs in us that go deep and far ranging in every area of life. So a lot of stuff has to happen for us to then confront those beliefs about them. Absolutely. And, you know, I like to take my beliefs loosely. You know, I like to pick the ones that feel good, hang on to those loosely, but also recognize that nothing can be true. Like nothing that I can hold with my conceptual mind can fully capture the truth. So I just, I take the ones that feel best and the most useful right now. I use them as a tool and I try not to identify with them. But of course we all have belief that we identify with because that's, you know, that's what the ego does. It finds ways to create this false sense of self that tells us who we are. I also have to tell you, since we started off talking about this, that my doctoral dissertation, true story, was on everyday reasoning and belief biases, right? (laughs) So it was really around, and it sort of debunks our whole idea that logic is even a thing, because it was about how people reason about things and do they actually look at the structure of an argument? Do they actually listen to, you know, here are the premises, here are the conclusions, do those things line up, which is what, you know, logical reasoning that we all think we do would be about. And what we found is they don't, they don't. Basically, they look at the premises, they look at the conclusion, they say, do I agree with this or not? If they don't agree with it, they don't like the argument. End of story. And so it just shows you even what we think of reasoning is pattern matching. You know, does this align with what I've been taught is true? 
If so, yay, thumbs up. If no, thumbs down. And wow, what a limiting way to live for your life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think I write in BU about how, and that's just my non-scientific impression of rational thought and science and facts. And um, all of that is just each generation has kind of their own set of these. And it's just an attempt to feel like we're in control, feel like, you know, we can soothe ourselves from the unknown, the discomfort of why we're here. And and then, you know, it shifts. And then very few scientific facts actually stand the test of time. And and so um yes. and even the things that we think gravity are absolute are not. They there's a fluctuation yeah. there. So it's They're all paradigms. alive. Yeah, exactly. They're paradigms. One of the most impactful books I read when I was in high school is a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution by Thomas Kuhn. And the book is all about those big conceptual shifts that happened in science, like the Copernican revolution, right? Where we used to think everything revolved around the earth. And then we learned, oh no, all the planets revolve around the sun. It changed everything about science. It changed everything about religion. It changed like everything, right? It was a huge shift. And I'm fascinated by those shifts because we're going through a real big one right now. But we go through them all the time in our lives too, where these these deeply held beliefs that we identify with that give the structure and stability to our own sense of self and our own you know false sense of reality. Because whatever you think is real is just an illusion. But enjoy it. Hang on, you know, like we need it a little bit, as long as we can play lightly with it. Um, those things get shaken up, and then you go through this period of. I don't know what the heck's going on because the old system doesn't work and the new system's not there yet. And then you settle into a new routine. And and that's sort of think what we're doing on a planetary level. But the important thing to recognize too is that, you know, none of it's the truth. It's just the working hypothesis that you're going to live with for a while until the next one comes along. And I think when you see it that way, you don't take yourself or life too seriously. And you can also start to recognize, you know, if you want to know what your most limiting beliefs are, Look at the beliefs you feel like that absolutely has to be true. <laughs> like the whole world will be turned on its head if that wasn't true, because that's the one that's probably most limiting you right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And letting go of those beliefs, I think it also helps to then allow others to be the, the way they are. And, you know, with the absence of this urgent sense of beginnings and endings and outcomes, it, it feels like you're able to then observe others and, and just hold yeah. space for whatever experience they're having and which might be a, a lifetime of the 2.1 kids in the white picket fence or the corporate path or whatever it is. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong. Maybe last time around was just a warrior uh, environment and they just needed peaceful and calm this time around. So absolutely. Yeah. We don't know what people's life path is, but also you said something else in there, which is bring me back to my geeky dorky history. So I hope that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, in this book, In Structure of a Scientific Revolution, what Thomas Kuhn points out, we see this all the time in our world, two people on different sides of that paradigm shift cannot communicate. They can't communicate with each other. They're not able to see each other's perspective. If you're on the other side, maybe a little bit, because maybe you remember what it was like to be there before, but you know, it's like people that have a very different set of belief systems and a very different perspective, 
you know, many of my old soul friends and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast have had so many different perspectives that you're probably pretty decent perspective takers to some extent. But there's always a certain extent where our beliefs are going to create our reality. So you can't judge someone else's perspective. Just understand that that's how they see the world based on what they know, based on what they've been taught. And it might be very different than what you've been taught and what you see. But as we loosen the bonds of our beliefs and we we are not so wedded to them, that's when we can come together, right? Mm. And understand that we are we are more than that stuff anyway. Yeah. Would you say that the absence of beliefs or, or fewer beliefs equates with greater awareness? I think it's more your orientation to your beliefs, because I think at the end of the day, we all got thoughts. I mean, maybe you don't, but I, I do. I got a lot of them, you know, and- <laughs> It's, it's around bringing more presence to them and not taking them so seriously. And then finding the stillness too, for sure. Cause you know, when, when my mind is still, that is when I feel the most grand, but I like my mind too, you know, she's accomplished a lot of things and she's very, like I said, she's very well educated and she's the only tool I have to have these really cool conversations that light me up and rock my world. I mean, this is, I could do this all day, every day. This is my greatest, deepest joy. Um, but I also recognize in the deepest sense, the words aren't capturing, you know, they're just loosely encapsulating a greater reality that my beautiful, lovable, small human mind can't totally understand. And that is the energy transmission that's way more important about what we're doing than this amazing conversation that we're having. And that, you know, I take my beliefs loosely. That's all. You know, yeah. I just try not to get wrapped up in them. And when I do find myself wrapped up into them, I try to notice that, take a step back where I can and where I can't. That's when I just shower myself with a ton of love. Oh, that's gorgeous. And words are approximations for sure. And, and yeah. sometimes I feel like that when you get to the really juicy stuff, you can't express it accurately enough because teaching at higher education for many years one of the first thing I noticed, and it's an exercise that I do with the students, is to write down, uh, if somebody said, I'll get right back to you, a simple phrase like that. And if there's 30 students, it'll be 30 different interpretations of that. And so we, we spend a lot of time talking and thinking that everyone else is hearing the way we understand ourselves. And, and Exactly. Then, <laughs> then it's, it's far what, from it. What do you teach? How cool is that? I'm acting all academic now and you're like an actual professor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Design thinking, user experience design, uh, creative oh, classes. Cool. Yeah. So there too, you know, that was my career for over 25 years of audience research and designing to the unmet need. And I didn't really understand at the time that the principles of that curiosity and beginner's mind and observation, all these are mindfulness principles. So there too, I yeah. wasn't aware of it, but I was feeling pulled to that kind of space. Um, right. One more thing, and I, I know we're running out of the illusion of time here, <laughs> but uh, it, it came to me the other day of, since you mentioned two people on quote unquote opposite sides of the aisle of more awareness and maybe less awareness. And it's always a question of degrees. So there's no on and off switch, but I was exploring for myself of whether or not it's possible if a fully aware person, like you've got just all the power of source and, and the universe behind you, or you encompass all of that with no judgment left whatsoever. You're able to hold space for anyone's beingness in whatever shape or form it may be. Is there still a need there for feeling understood, feeling heard, feeling seen? Or does that fall away if you're able to just hold space for everyone in such a deep way that your sense of self doesn't require validation any longer? That's such a cool question. 
and I'm going to tune into the guides, but I'm also going to tell you what I think. Um, <laughs> they say, go ahead. So I guess I get to tell you what I think. All right, let me tune in. You know, that's been something I've been experiencing a deepening of, you know, in my own life around really just honoring myself and releasing the need for anyone else to care at all, you know, to get anything back from other people. Because I think when we seek it out there, we may get it sometimes, but it's not as satisfying as when you get it from the person that you really want it from, which is yourself. You really want that from yourself. And you're the one who can give yourself the permission, right, to be who you are fully and completely, which is what we all want, what we all want. And so I think that is the end point of the journey. When you are so rooted in yourself that you know who you are and you're cool with who you are and you love who you are and you're here to fully express who you are, I think that's when judgment of everything else falls away. So I think it's the other way around. I think that's the starting point, right? Because it all begins and ends with you. It's an internal job. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh my gosh. Woo. Like you said, we could keep this going forever. Yeah, I could. I could. I hope we'll get to do it again. This has been such a joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Victoria, for being a guest and being a, a mensch and a kindred spirit and to tell. <laughs> I haven't heard that word in a really long time. I love it. Uh, yes. Tell the listeners, where can they find more about you and the things you're working on? Oh, yes. I would love that. Lots of lots of fun things. You can find more about me at victoriashawintuitive.com. So Victoria, S-H-A-W, intuitive.com. There you will find how to book a one-on-one -on -one session with me, how to join our beautiful membership community where you can get group sessions with me and guidance. And we explore all these same principles like we did right here in this podcast in a fun and interactive format that meets twice a month. You can listen to my podcast, Intuitive Connection, where Chris was my guest and we had an amazing conversation there. So you can check that out. And I do solo channeled episodes. I have amazing guests. I do readings on the show. So lots of fun over there. I have other self-paced classes on the website too. I teach now and again. And then if you ever want to come play in person with me, I have offices in Del Mar, California, right by San Diego. And I'm also the new owner and founder of Cactus Blossom Retreat in Escondido, California, which is a beautiful retreat center. We're bringing together lots of amazing beings like Chris, like the other Chris that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, my neuropsychologist friend, because I feel that... A lot of growth can sometimes happen both in our daily lives, but also when we kind of take a break, take that pause and really go deep. And so that retreat experience, and I know you're a retreat guy too, is um, really potent and powerful. And Cactus Blossom is one of those places where you get to go do that. Oh, so that's me. Absolutely. I hope to be a guest there soon. Oh, um, I would love that. <laughs> that's beautiful. So thank yes. you so much, Victoria, for being on the show. This is another episode of the BU Podcast. As always, you can find me online at my website, Sirach.com, and on social media everywhere, at Chris Sirach. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, be happy, be free, be you.